Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Legion podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand. I'm the Managing Director of Bright Vision, as well as host of today's podcast. And today we're going to talk about a very interesting topic, how to reach CEOs and C-levels since COVID. And we're going to do that with an expert on this target group, the CEO confidant, Angel Rebo. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Obviously, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm based here in Dallas, Texas, although I'm from originally from close to Barcelona. And obviously, thank you, everybody who's you know listening uh, to us today. Yeah, so good to have you with us. We're going to talk a very interesting topic today about how to reach CEOs, which is an area of expertise you have that I'm so mm-hmm. interested to, to dive into. But before we start, can you just please briefly tell us uh, who you are and what you do? Exactly. Well, thank you. Let me start. Okay, so, you know, talking about CEOs and C-levels, you know, it's like, wow, you know, talking to the top of the top of those companies, it's amazing. So let me start with my personal mission, which is going to be a little bit disruptive with your permission, Jacob, and with the permission of your audience, right? Absolutely. This is is my personal mission, which is actually, you know, I consider myself an unstoppable divine force that brings connection to the unconnected by uplifting their energy and empowering their awareness. That's who I am. That's my personal mission. Okay, so awesome. From 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 that mission, from that powerful mission that uh, you know I ended up realizing I had in my life a few a few years ago. You know, let me let me tell you that basically what I do is I, I, I'm in Texas, been in Texas for now 11 years. Before that, I lived in seven other different countries, and uh, all my life has been uh, since I left Spain. It's been an international life, working with you know large corporations and serving literally any industry. So I was working for high-tech companies, but serving literally any industry. I've done business in more than 30 30 plus countries. And five years ago, I left corporate America. My last uh, employer was an American high-tech company. I left them and I I started actually two things. One, which is my consulting business. What we do is basically we help both corporate CEOs and established entrepreneurs to bridge the gap globally for expansion and exposure as a way to accelerate the growth of their businesses and reaching out and dealing with C-levels and CEOs is paramount, is extremely important uh, for what we do in, in, at, at the CEO Confident, which is our brand, as you said. And then also something else I did, and that's why I think my, my, why my existence makes sense, is I started my nonprofit, it's called Wisdom for Kids. And what we do is we help underprivileged kids in Latin America become entrepreneurs using the local resources and we have held more than 1,000 kids since we started, uh, you know, three, four years ago. Oh, that's so great to hear. Awesome. Absolutely. It, yeah, interesting. Well, that's a great story. You have been around quite a few countries, as you said, had a long career in enterprise companies, and now you're both philanthropist and also entrepreneur driving your own consulting company, helping right scale-ups and and, uh, have also zoned in on this, how to reach CEOs, but also coach CEOs and C-levels in many perspectives. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
And, and today's topic, we, we talked a little bit about this from your background, knowing a lot about CEOs, having a lot about yeah. of CEOs and C-levels as clients to yours from both perspectives, you know, both coaching them as well as helping the entrepreneurs reaching them and so forth. What would you say, uh, how would you describe the current situation when reaching out to CEOs and C-levels? Is it a big challenge now via to how it used to be or what's the status from your perspective right now? Yes, I would say that things right now are kind of stationary in the sense that obviously like 18, 19 you know, months ago, everything was a mess, everything was chaos and nobody really would need, need or know exactly what to do and how to do it. Now everything is much more stable. And also there's something which is really important. I think it's number one, you have to really understand what your audience needs, right? So let's say my CEO audience, my C-level audience, what, the, what they feel, what they want. Uh, and I really don't like to say what they need, but more what they feel and what they want. Those are the two things I really like to focus on. And those things have changed since the last, let's say, 19 months. Mm. As, as a summary, also something that has happened and the sources of information so when you, have to, when you deal with an audience, you really have to know where they also get the information, what they're looking for. And I think that C-levels and CEOs are always looking for something which is unconventional knowledge, unconventional knowledge. And as far as you are able to provide them with unconventional knowledge that has been tested, proof tested, you are a start to build, you are starting to build, excuse me, like a good path of trust with them. And let me tell you an example. Uh, at the end of last year, I think that the first company that started to really produce some sort of CEO survey about what the CEOs had done was PricewaterhouseCoopers. Obviously, you know who they are because it's a large corporation, you know, one of the top four companies, consulting companies in the world. But after that, Deloitte has done the same thing. McKinsey has done the same. Uh, uh, McKinsey, excuse me, has done the same thing. KPMG has done the same thing. And this is, these are the most important sources of information for anybody listening to us. I think it's important whenever I am on a conversation like this one with you, Jacob, that people have executable things that can take, actionable things that can do after this conversation. So those, all those companies already have conducted several surveys about what the CEOs are concerned about. Mm -hmm. So my answer to your question, sorry to make this like long intro, but I think it's important for the people to know where to gather that information. So my, 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 my response starts with what I saw last year when I was talking to the CEOs and C-levels and continues with everything that all those large corporations have been uh, obtaining after surveying thousands of CEOs in the world. Last year, what I saw was fear as anybody else. Remember that we have had a continuous fear machine in the world, right? I mean, and again, I'm, I'm not making a judgment here. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not judging anybody. It is what it is. You mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of fear in the world, like probably never, never before, right? And never in a, such a generalized way, like, and, and, and they're human beings. And don't forget that regardless of the position of anybody in a company, there is still human beings. Mm -hmm. So they still felt that fear. And obviously also the fear that they had to present the results to their boards, right? So they still have to, re, you know, report their, you know, uh, quarterly results or the semester, you know, half year results to all their boards. And they, they were, they were initially they were in panic because they saw that obviously their sales were not all the industries, but many industries were down, and obviously there were lots of issues with, you know, remote working about what what are my teams going to do. 
you know, I want them to be still accountable to what they should do for the company, but how do I keep them engaged now that they are working remotely and all these kind of things, right? So I would say that right now, all this fear has stabilized. So I don't, I don't think people are in, in, in that fear mode yet, but I think that they have learned a lot of lessons to put, and I would say, if I have to say one lesson, just to summarize one lesson they have learned is that they cannot take for granted any longer how they have how they keep their employees engaged in order to ensure that they have the right level of accountability to produce the profits that the company has to have that would be the first thing so in, and in order to do that how do you increase in an environment with people where people are you know work massively remotely right or in a hybrid model or as you know there's i don't know how is it going in in sweden but there's this there's this phenomenon going in the U.S., which is the great resignation. I don't know if you've heard about the great resignation, right? I, so, I read about it a little bit, yes, but I understand there's a lot of uh, turmoil in the job market. Everybody is switching jobs and, and things like that. And living. And living. And living as well. Oh, Exactly. Exactly. So there's a lot of people that are resigning and changing, not only changing jobs, but also people literally leaving corporate America because they realized that their priorities were different. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is also important. I think that also all this pandemic has made the CEOs and C-levels more human than before. And now being, being a conscious leader is not a choice. It's not a choice anymore. You either are a conscious leader or you will not be a leader in the future. That's what I'm saying. You have to genuinely show your teams that you genuinely care about what they do for the company. That's so interesting. So uh, being more human, being more aware about your team and your people and, and taking care of them is, is uh, a much more important topic today than 20 months ago. That's so interesting to hear. Would you say it's, it's also um, reflecting on how they design their strategies or drive the businesses on a on a strategic or tactical level from what you have seen or, or read? Yes, they are. They are because when you realize that your, 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 your employees start to systematically disengage for whatever reason, you know, because as you know, some reasons are, okay, so I'm feeling so good at home. I realized that there were things that were, I, were, I, I don't know, I, was, I wasn't considering my family enough. I wasn't doing this enough, blah, blah, blah. Also, as you know, now there's a lot of pressure with employers of, your employers have to take that thing or have to do this or the employers have to do that. And, and you know, also there's pressure about moving internationally. Not everybody can go to a country if they want to, unless certain circumstances are in place. Well, you know what I'm talking about. I'm trying not to be <laughs> judgmental with anybody and very respectful with everybody. So absolutely, when you realize as a CEO or as a COO that your operations, your operations in a day-to-day -day basis are being impacted by all those you know, global decisions, then you, you obviously have to make operational decisions. You have to change, technically speaking, you have to start thinking, okay, so that was not a priority for me before, or maybe it wasn't that, prior, that big of a priority because my teams were more or less working together. We had an office or maybe several offices in different places, but right now, how many, how many of those are remote? How many of those maybe they will not come back ever because of those restrictions that are imposed by maybe some governments, you know? So absolutely. 
And again, priority has become, uh, excuse me, engagement has, has become a priority. And also, you know, there's a lot of, that has been said about profits, right? You are, I mean, you, you are the managing director. So, I mean, you obviously at some point, you know, there's some people that invested in the company, probably you and more people, and then you have to produce results and you have to report your results and you have to, you know, so this is a pressure that all CEOs have, right? CEOs have to report the results to their shareholders. Absolutely. The people that, that put the money in the beginning, they have kept on investing in the company, right? And you have to present those results and, you know, you have to have the ability to adapt everything that you do in your company so that when your leadership team, right, the rest of your team, the, the leadership team tries to bring down those, you know, those activities, those decisions that you make a strategic level so that the, so that the different employees really act upon those, you know, and keep on having, you know, the profit as something important. I mean, you know what your conversations are, right? I mean, have you ever felt yourself like being in the principal's office of the school is like when you go to the principal's office because you did something wrong, you know, <laughs> or, or you throw something or you did something that wasn't positive or whatever that was. So it's the same thing. Yep. So uh, I think that it's a great opportunity that the CEOs have today to make everybody aware of what is important and what is not important in a company. Mm like never before. That's why he, being a human, a real human being for leaders is not, it's not any longer a choice. Mm. It, it's a must. Yeah, that's interesting. And that might uh, affect internal recruiting to, to management positions, I suppose, that maybe it's not the, the strong-minded or the very decisive persons that are the A-type personality maybe not being so attractive anymore to promote within to leadership position that might uh, i'm just speculating here but it might have those implications i suppose let me let me tell you that's a great point because you know um we're not obviously we're not all made equal right and we i mean we might have gone to college and probably we were surrounded by brilliant colleagues and mates in uh, mm. in, a, in our as college students and everybody right now is in different positions. Some are you know, entrepreneurs, others have some responsibilities, high responsibilities in companies, everybody is different. But at the end of the day, you all had some basic you know, knowledge, experience, you know, education that gave you like the basics. Why am I talking about this? Because throughout time, we have all specialized. And, but what I think is that by specializing, we have lost the most important thing, which is our essence as leaders, our essence. And trying to run all the time and trying to like cover all the bases, right? We, we love baseball here in the US, trying to cover all the bases all the time. We have forgotten this being your essence. And the leaders that are able to take, to make the best of every single employee right now are gonna be, are gonna be more important. And to your point, or it's gonna be very important. I think that now the recruiting, has to be based on what really everybody is good at and really is passionate for. And let me tell you an example. As you know, entrepreneurs, I don't know your, your personal journey yet, uh, Jacob, but as an entrepreneur, you know, basically at some point you think, okay, so what's my passion? What am I good at, right? Mm. Uh, can I make money with that? And uh, is the market going to pay for that, right? Those are questions that we all ask you know about our businesses about our life at some point right um so why not consistently recruiting 
consistently recruiting and identifying talent, aligning those personal values. So it's not like at the end of the conversation of the interview, I'm going to ask them, you know, what are your hobbies? No, 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 no. Why don't we have like a personal conversation about what really moves you? What do you, would you really like to do? And I, and, and, you know, you see that more and more and more often, either you have the mind share of your employees or you don't either they are engaged with the mission of your company or they are not right and as and it's it's that human factor that's going to make the big the big difference i only know uh, there's a there's a gentleman i will definitely recommend again to give an, another actionable item to your audience and to you <laughs> there's there's something called the core value index which i have i have I obviously i've been in corporate america for a long time but the core value index is for me one of the best ways to recruit people. The core value index. It's a, it was developed by a guy called uh, Lane Taylor many years ago. He's very well known here in the US, but he's the only one that has been able, according to my humble experience, because obviously there's a lot of different you know, psycho, psychological tests that you can do and different interview methods that you can do with your future employer, employees, et cetera. But the core value index, is, is, is one of the methodologies that I think works the, the best. The reason, the reason for that is because you are able to align what one is good at and the values and is passionate for with the role that you are hiring for. And also think about this, Jacob. Mm. Typically, HR, obviously you, every company has someone taking care of HR, right? And, and mostly if you ask the people, do you think HR in your company is more concerned about the company or about the employees? Are they trying to make sure that the companies don't mess it up so much that the company has a liability, right? Mm. Or, or they do really care about... So I think it's, there's also got, being right now a change in the, in, in the real mission of, of, of HR, human resources inside the corporations right now, big time. Because otherwise, they will consistently keep on losing talent. It's 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 painful when you lose a, a great a great employee, isn't it, Jacob? Mm. It's really painful. Yeah. How many how many years? How much money? How much time? How much you know? How many resources did you invest in that person that left, right? Mm. And that that actually takes me to another another thing which I see consistently with CEOs today, which is their concern with talent. There's a huge concern concern with talent worldwide right now mm. about where the talent is going and and how they can actually allocate the right talent that they need for the companies that's Big interesting time. yeah yeah and i suppose that's that's one of the top uh, challenges for many companies especially maybe in the states where there's a lot of resignations right now and so on you need to be good just to keep up you know refilling the, the positions that leaving so uh, what what's your take on that what's your recommendation for ceos who, who are struggling with that or c levels cmos or whoever <clears throat> who is who is in, in competing in the talent market so to say to try to build an awesome team today what's your recommendation to them you you, you know when you probably heard this a million times you know to ceos or, or from ceos is I will never hire anybody if I don't feel comfortable having a dinner or a lunch with that person, right? Which means yeah. let's forget about this company that you're trying to apply for. Let's forget about this company that I represent that they want to hire you. Mm. Let's go to a completely different setup. Let's get to know you personally, who the individual is, who the human being, human being is. 
right? So I think that more important than before, for all those C-levels that are out there, being and making sure that you're taking care, you're taking care of your employees, of your teams, is right now, it's not just a nice to have, it's a must. Otherwise, you will suffer, you know, first person, you will suffer this, you know, unfortunate, you know, lack of talent or talent going somewhere else. Right now, this is a must that you have. So every single activity, regardless of what, you know, what area in the company, what function it is as an officer of your corporation, make sure that you have the people and you continuously touch base with people and you have feedback from your employees. Make it, make it something, make it an, a, a weekly activity to reach out to your employees, to make sure that they're all, they're all, what they're doing is something that they're passionate about and they are really motivated to do it. Human factor right now is paramount. It's not by coincidence that suddenly there's a hashtag showing up on your LinkedIn, LinkedIn post that says great resignation. It's not a coincidence, right? It's, it's really because it's happening. Look at the statistics. I, and I think there were, I, I'm not, I'm not, I think there were like 3 million people, if not more, in the US alone last month that resign, resigned. Oh, 3 million. Yeah. <laughs> when, I saw, when I saw the number, I said, no, it's impossible. And I think it was actually over 4 million, but well, 3 million, 700,000, something like that. In one month. That's, I mean, yeah. Uh... I mean, there's a, yeah, it's crazy. And there's a lot of work. There are so many, you know, vacancies right now. There's so much work available right now here in the US. So much work. And, you know, I'm here in, in, in Texas. Obviously, Texas is one of the, let's say, one of the most prosperous uh, uh, tech, uh, states in the, in the union here in the US. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of companies coming to Texas. Mm. Also, that, that is related also to the, let's say, to the political situation here. Mm. We've, we've, we've had a very, uh, you know, let's say, very relaxed, open-minded uh, economy here since the mm. very beginning of this. So there's, there's a lot of people, there's literally tens of thousands of people relocating to Texas right now, literally. Mm. So, and, and again, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge state. It's the second largest state in the, in the union, right? But, but something that I think that, and I, I really, because I, I, when I came to the US, I chose why I came to, to Texas. I, I, I could have gone to any other state in the US and I chose Texas. Mm -hmm. Because, because of the people, because the people are really like um, originally still very like family oriented, very educated, very good manners. You feel us in home here. Mm. I felt us in home and I go to other, other states in the, in the country and, and I feel attacked. I feel that people are more stressed. I feel that people, you know, and Texas is a mixture of literally, it's a mixture of cowboys. It's a mixture of a lot of immigration from abroad. It's a mixture of obviously oil and gas, obviously. Mm. And, and it's a mixture of, you know, every city has their own, you know, um, uh, personality. Austin, which is the capital, is kind of a European laid back city and, and, and Dallas is in the north, like the most, you know, uh, um, uh, like cosmopolitan city. And then San Antonio is the more, which is still linked to Mexico or tied to Mexico, more traditional. And Houston is the oil and gas stronghold. So, you know, and people are more and more valuing. I mean, uh, what their daily life is mm. and where they want to live to, to go, you know, the extra mile in their, in their work, in their, in their, in their professional life. 
and and that you know those those sea levels that you were talking about they have to be conscious about that and then it make it a priority every single day jacob mm. yeah that's a great recommendation and great tip there so from the other perspective if if we're from a sales and marketing perspective, you know, wanting to pitch CEOs or C-levels mm-hmm. today, yeah. what's your best advice on, you know, what to think about or how to align your messaging to the, the new challenges and the agenda that CEOs have today? So what would you recommend a sales manager or marketing manager from that perspective? Yeah, I, I, I obviously believe that the first thing that you have to think about is where are they? If you want to talk to them, first find them, right? And I'm talking about, I'm not talking, I mean, uh, I don't know how it goes in, uh, in, 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 in Sweden, but uh, obviously there has been, now all the face-to-face events are, are resumed here. So you are able to go to more events here and mm-hmm. to meet with the CEOs and C-levels. But number one, where are they, even online? For instance, for me, it was very obvious. That's why I'm, I'm so, power, so uh, powerful, powerfully present on LinkedIn. LinkedIn was for me the number one place where the CEOs and C-levels are. So the first thing is find them where they are. Number two, what do they care about? What is the knowledge that they care about? And I mentioned before a conventional knowledge, something that they really like to do all the time. That's why I talked about all all those reports from these large consulting companies. And actually, if people go to my profile on LinkedIn, I have all those reports. You can download them there, so you don't mm-hmm. have to sign. You don't have to sign up and go to their websites. You can go to my LinkedIn profile, and you can download any of those reports. Oh, exactly. Great. So, so for instance, then you will see what the CEOs care about. You will see what the CEOs are concerned about. You will see what the priorities are. All these things, all those reports, I would definitely suggest any single marketing and salesperson in the world to go download those reports because you will be able to put yourself in the mind of those C-levels that you're trying to sell to and you're going to try to approach to do some sort of business or partnership, right? And number three, and I made the difference before and you're definitely a a strong marketing person too. I always like to talk to what the people want. What the people want. You know why? Because the people really don't know what they need. People know what they want, but they really don't know what they need. It's like with your clients, right, Jacob? You know exactly what your clients need, but they don't. That's why you are successful. You know, you have an almost 100 people company, right? But you know exactly what they need, but you sell them what they want, right? They buy from you what they want, but you sell them what they need because you know exactly how to achieve their goals that they hire you for. And that's, that's a subtle difference, but I think that's extremely important and we miss that point because typically all salespeople are, are told, hey, you have to know your customer needs. You have to know their pains, their pain points, all those things. I'm the first one. I mean, I, I, I'm the first one that made that scene, you know, that committed that scene when I started sales many years ago. I, I was the same one asking, what are your challenges? What are, I mean, if you start talking to a C-level and you start ask, asking them about their challenges, I mean, do you think they're going to open themselves immediately and they tell you what the main challenge are, are their challenges are when they had the last board meeting with their CEO or with their board of directors? Of course not. Then my, sec- my next piece of advice is focus on building a relationship. Focus on building a relationship from human to human. Okay, 
stop the pitching. Even if you are trying to create connections on LinkedIn, do not ever pitch them until you have, until you have created a relationship. It takes time, but everything takes time. I'm sure that you've been trying to go after certain clients and you've been years and years after those clients until they become your clients. But it is what it is. Exactly. It is what it is. It's a matter of numbers, right? Mm. There, will be, there will be companies ready to buy. There will be other companies that they still don't know that they need your services. Mm. I used to say, I used to say, I, I apologize to you, Jacob, if that sounds a little bit arrogant, but I, no, used, no. To say, I used to say that it's only a matter of time that everybody in the world hires me. Yeah, I mean it's 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 probably true since, right. uh, but but I mean uh, you need time then. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You need time, so you have a sales force. Have your sales force focus on relationships, create those relationships. Right now, all those C levels and CEOs probably many of them are already on LinkedIn, organizing events. They're already sharing posts, sharing contents. They're already sharing content. They're already commenting on someone else's posts. Oh, come on. You have so much information, mm. so much information right now about them that if you don't spend enough time to create that personal relationship, it's your fault. <laughs> don't, don't say, no, 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 it's COVID. It's the pandemic. No, 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 no. Come on. Are you using the right KPIs? Are you measuring your Salesforce work properly or not? That's my question. How many relationships were you able to develop? Mm. How many relationships? Or is it the number of pitches that you pitched or the number of CEOs that you pitch with your business? Nobody's interested in your, in your business if you still don't even know what that personal journey of that CEO or, or, or C-level executive is. Mm. You know how wrong things were? That's why right now people are realizing that the human aspect of everything is much more important. That's why my, my, my pieces of advice on how to reach those CEOs is talk, to their, lang talk their language, find them where they are, and make sure that you start developing a relationship before you even think of pitching them with what you, whatever your business does. That's great, great advice, and I love that. And uh, I tr truly believe in that as well. You know, becoming a trusted advisor is the best way to to earn somebody's business. But it, of course, it takes competency, it takes time and um, persistence. And uh, but that that are the values of many successful companies. So uh, I. There are no free lunches or quick fixes to things like that. Exactly. I mean, you will always, if you're persistent enough, you will always find some low-hanging fruit and that's okay. You know, that that's, it's a numbers game, right? It's a numbers game. How many yeah. people are you able to contact in a specific number of time, in a specific amount of time, right? How many people will you be able to reach? That's yeah. it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. So uh, you talked a little bit about LinkedIn and so forth, but you know, and and I think from from uh, most salespersons would love to get into you know opportunity to build a relationship and to show trust and you know build build upon uh, your 
experience and, and, and try to, to provide value into relationships. But how do you start them? How do you strike them up with CEOs or senior C-levels that are hard to get? A lot of people are after them. They get 100 emails every day from people who you know, want to connect or hook them up or something like that. You know. What's your, what's your uh, idea of the best practices about Thank getting you. the foot in the door? Thank you for this question, because, you know, right now I have uh, almost 31,000 followers on LinkedIn because I made it I made it a goal for my company to, to, and for my profile to to have a strong presence on LinkedIn for obvious reasons. Right. So I get, as you can imagine, I, I get every single day, 20, 25, 30 incoming messages of people that want to connect with me or want to do business with me. So the first piece of advice for anybody that wants to reach out to a C-level or a CEO Number one, do some research about that particular person. I'm not talking about that company. I'm talking about that person. Okay. Number two, if you decide that the right move is to go to you know, LinkedIn and request connection, right? please know that maybe they are going to personally respond or maybe there's someone dealing with their, you know, their profile. You don't know who is managing their profile. But... 99.9% of the messages I get for people that want to connect with me are wrong. And I'm not talking only because they're pitching their business in the first connection message. It's because if 60 or more percent of the content today is consumed on those devices, mm. if you send a three paragraph message and it's being read on a you know five inches screen, you can tell me who is going to want to scroll down to see a message from someone that then know nothing. Mm. So the first piece of advice is make your connection message one sentence long. L literally one mm. sentence long. I say good day and I even put an eye emoji of a coffee, of a coffee mug. Or maybe, you know, for St. Patrick, I, I put maybe, you know, the, the, the four, um, mm. the four leaves, uh, you know, green, green leaf, you know, the plant. Or grab the attention. You have to grab the attention. Remember, the CEOs and C-levels are human beings just like you and me. They're no different. You know, they go to the toilet. They sleep at night. They go to the gym. They're happy when, when their kids in the school do good and bring good, bring, bring good grades. They're the same. They're the exact same people as you and me, Jacob. So save time. Save them time. And, you know, the, the messages can be, you know, do you consider yourself like a, a conscious leader, for instance? Just this question is one of the my most successful lines to request connection. Do you consider yourself a conscious leader? Just that question mm -hmm. has, has allowed me to open literally hundreds of doors of C-level executives and CEOs wow. to op open to connect. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, so that they get curious, they wonder, okay, what's the conscious leader, or you know, they want to know, am I? That's interesting. Exactly. Or maybe they don't know, or, or maybe they don't care. But you know, because there's also something else, which is obviously I un I understand the importance of reaching out to C levels and CEOs because the first employer I ever had that put that hired me for sales sales role, that's what they put me to do. We have to reach out the C levels because they are the decision makers. Anybody that anybody else down, they really don't know if that that purchase order is going to be generated that month or not, right? That's why we want to reach out. These are the people that really have this strategy, 
They really know what the company is going. I want to align my products and services to what they want. And then, you know, I will be able to sell to the entire organization. They are the only ones that really know if my PO is going to be given a priority before the end of the month or before the end of the quarter. And we are at right now, it's actually the first day in December, the last, you know, the last month of uh, 2021. And everybody's trying to make their numbers if they still haven't made them, <laughs> right? So this is, this is what you have uh, in, in your mind if you're a salesperson, right? This is what you have in your mind. But in reality is they're, they're human beings just like you and me. Once they connect with you, you don't have to connect with everybody. I know that you want to reach out to, let's, let's give you an example. I want to reach out to Ericsson CEO in the US because actually they're based in Dallas. Mm -hmm. So it's, they're very close to me. Actually, there's, there's literally five minutes away from here is where the office of the CEO of Ericsson for the entire Americas is, right? So I'm connected with him on LinkedIn, by the way. But, um, and there are obviously thousands of employees from Ericsson here, interestingly enough, here in Dallas. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that it's important for everybody to reach out and to connect with these people. But what if the person that you connect with is not maybe the CEO, but it's a C-level of a you know, lower level, or maybe a director, but that person resonates better with your message? Because people, Jacob, people don't really know what marketing is. They think that marketing is like a big net and we throw the big net to the sea and we get thousands and thousands of fishes of leads, right? And then we have to close them all. No, marketing is the way to connect with the people that resonate with your message so that they can become your customers. Mm. It's okay that you have a list of accounts which are your target accounts. It's okay. I'm all for it. But not everybody in that company is going to resonate with your message. Mm. The role of sales and the role of marketing is to be able to pick you as a supplier, as a vendor, to pick who you want to work with. You have to choose who you want to work with. You have to choose, really. And that's something that most companies have wrong. They think that they have to go after everybody and they, every, every, every company is good for them. I don't agree. I believe that long-lasting relationships with good clients are the ones that you actually pick. Not only they pick you, but you also pick them. Mm. It's a two-way street. And a lot of people have this wrong. And this is also, I've learned this from very successful CEOs. Not everybody sees this this way. But I see this every single day, that we're trying to go after everyone. And, you know, every single sales rep has their quota. And they have these key performance uh, you know, indicators and measures, and they have to do these and they have to do that. So many things, right? But what's the most important thing? The most important thing is that you are able to consistently provide value to your clients so that they are so happy that they will never want to leave you, period. Yeah, wow, that's so great. Awesome advice, Angel. That was awesome. Um, thank you for, for giving us that golden nugget there of insight. Of course. <laughs> and I, I confirmly uh, you know say that i agree with you uh, but i couldn't uh, have ever explained it in that very good and concise way so that's great uh this is so interesting to talk with you but i know you're a busy guy you know running your company and having a lot of things going on with clients Thank and so you. forth so i'm so thankful for your time here but of course um yeah i know that we have a lot of listeners that probably would like to know more about you, your company, and your content. So where can we send them if they, after this podcast, want to know more about Angel Rebo and uh, the CEO you. Confident or so? 
thank you so much for obviously opening the opportunity for me to say that uh, as well. So as, as I mentioned, LinkedIn many times, you can go to LinkedIn. It's very easy to find me there, request a connection or just send me a message. I will be very glad to, to share uh, my, you know, uh, my knowledge, my experience, a little bit of my wisdom with you. My name is Angel, as in as an angel from heaven, right? A-N-G-E-L, last name Ribo, spelled like R-I, B as in boy, O, R-I, B as in boy, O. As I said, and also you, Jacob, my brand is the CEO confidant. And uh, probably besides going to LinkedIn, where obviously my team and I, we work on, on our profile every single day for many, many, many hours. You can also send me an email. My team also, you know, reads all the emails. So, and the, the email address, my email address is very easy. It's angel at angelrebo.com. Again, rebo is R-I-B-O.com. Angel at angelrebo.com. And I mean, it's been a real pleasure to have this conversation with you, Jacob. Thank you. And thank you, obviously, every everyone that has been listening or watching us today. Well, thank you, Rebo. And I wish you all the best with your uh, future endeavors and so forth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.